Good morning, everyone. I hope you are having a wonderful Sunday. Even though I cannot be with you in person today, I hope and pray that the message that we're sharing will just be as powerfully, uh, God will speak to you just as powerfully as if I am in person. Today, our message is Connecting Generations in Truth and Love from Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. I think it's important for all of us to connect with people from different generations, especially in the church and in the family. Last year, I preached a message on connecting generations in unity. For the young people, it's important that you learn to connect with older brothers and sisters at church for your own benefit and spiritual growth. I remember when I first came to the U.S., I was in the second grade. I went to a church by my home. After service, we would stand outside the church building to fellowship and talk with friends. And one of the elderly gentlemen at church, I think he was somewhere important at church. I remember maybe even the church building belonged to him. We make an effort to come to each one of us who are standing outside to shake hands with us. And even though I was just a kid under 10 years old at the time, and it really made me feel valued that someone important, so important, and so much older will show this kind of respect to me and treating me like an adult. The way he would respectfully bow his body, look me in the eye to shake my hand. I just feel he's treating me like an equal, not treating me like just a kid. And this was the American church. I think we can learn in a Chinese American church that while there are Chinese tradition of the younger ones showing respect to the elders, and that is great. We can also show that in Christ, we're all equal brothers and sisters, and we can treat even the youngest members with the respect as co-heirs in Christ. Amen? I mentioned last year's message that there are different generations by age. There are the uh, Generation Z, and then they're from, this year will be from 10 to 25. The millennials this year will be from 26 to 41. And uh, Gen X this year will be ages about 42, from 42 to 57. And the boomers this year will be from the age of 58 to 76. And then the silent generation this year will be from the ages of 77 to 94. So in the Chinese church, not only do we have generations based on age, but we also have generations that's based on the time when we came to the U.S. The first generation is someone who's born abroad and is the primary immigrant. The second generation is someone who's born in the U.S. and is the children of the first generation. The 1.5G is someone who's born abroad who are young dependents of the primary immigrant who immigrated at the age of 12 or under. Um, for example, I would be someone like that, uh, immigrated around uh, eight to nine years old. And then 1.6 to 1.9 G are those who are born abroad, who are young dependents of the primary immigrant who immigrated before the age of five. And then you have the 1.1 to 1.4 G, which is someone who is born abroad, young dependents of the primary immigrant who immigrated at the age of 12 or older. So the older they are, 
when they immigrated, then the more closer they are to the first G. And then uh, finally, we have the 0.5 to 0.7 G who are actually born abroad adult dependents who follow the primary immigrants to the US. So they're not the primary immigrants, they're the parents or the spouse of the first G. And so we see with all these different generations uh, by age and also by when they came to the US in uh, immigrant church, like our church, like the uh, Chinese American church, that how can we connect the generations in truth and love? And we want to talk about that. So today the verse is from Ephesians 4, 15 to 16. So let us all read this together. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, I just pray that this morning you will speak powerfully to all of us and that you will once again um, just let our hearts be in tune with your hearts and cast away all, all the worries, all the uh, anxieties, all the doubts uh, from our hearts as we come to you, Lord, that you will strengthen our faith and help us to know how to walk uh, with you, uh, follow Christ uh, in our life. Thank you, Lord. Pray all this in your precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So Ephesians 4 teaches us that by speaking the truth in love, we will grow in maturity and unity in the body of Christ. And that is the church. Not only do we grow individually, but the whole body of Christ will grow. And this is all done in God's love as each one of us do our part. How can we speak the truth in love? I believe the whole Bible actually is teaching us how to live in truth and in love. Because they are the character of God. God is truth and God is love. We know what is truth and what is love from what God reveals to us about himself through his word. John 1.14 says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. And we learn what is truth and what is love from the life of Jesus. And the gospel itself is full of truth and love. The gospel reveals the truth that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. The gospel also reveals the great love of God, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The Heavenly Father willingly sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place for our sins. And that is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are restored to a relationship with the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what does speaking the truth mean? Actually, in the Greek, original Greek, it's only one word here. And that word is aletuontes, which is a participle word. 
And in English, when we have a participle word, we attach the ending ing to it, like walking, speaking, um, all these are the participle word. And so this, actually this word speaking the truth, aletuontes, uh, occur only in one other place. And that is in Galatians 4, 16. The root of this word is truth. And it literally means, so if you put this uh, word together, truth plus the participle, then it literally means truth in, truthing, truthing, yeah. Truthing means to put the truth into action. So how can we put truth into action? It means that we speak the truth of God, we confess the truth of God, it also means that we hold the truth. We're following the truth. And that is opposite of what the false teachers were doing. They were promoting error and practicing deceit. And Ephesians 4.14 tells us, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So we are to live in the truth and to love the truth and not listen to deceit. And that's what we come to God's word. That's why we encourage each other with God's word so that we can grow in truth and in love. When we continue to speak the truth of God in love, in the church, we will build up our unity, we'll build up our faith, we'll build up our knowledge, and we will build up our maturity in Christ. Speaking the truth in love should govern all that we do as Christians. The Bible commentator Warren Worsby said that truth without love is brutality, and love without truth is hypocrisy. So we see the opposite of um, what we want uh, people to experience is uh, we, don't, we don't want to be brutal with our truth. We don't want to be a hypocrite with our love. So we must uh, speak the truth in love and we must love in the truth. Otherwise, as Warren Worsby says, then that would be either Brutality or hypocrisy. And also, Pastor Tim Keller in a book on marriage said that love without truth is sentimentality. It supports and affirms us, but keeps us in denial about our flaws. Truth without love is harshness. It gives us information, but in such a way that we cannot ready here. So we don't want just sentimentality, sentimentality, or we don't want harshness. And therefore we must have love and truth. Uh, whatever we do must be done in love and in truth. Otherwise, again, we will turn to either sentimentality or harshness. And these are very 
are good insights for us to, to think about. So how can we then connect the generations in truth and love? I'd like to mention three things today. First is that we need to speak, speaking the truth with understanding. An important part of loving someone is to understand them. That's why in 1 Peter 3, 7, it says to the husbands, to live with your wives in an understanding way. And so we need to understand how people use the words so that we know how we can speak the truth with understanding with them so that there won't be um, a misunderstanding. In a book by Josh and Sean McDowell, they wrote how words like tolerance, respect, and acceptance have different meaning in today's secular culture where moral truth is determined by the individual. For example, the word for tolerance, the biblical understanding is to recognize and respect others when you don't share their values, beliefs, and practices. But the contemporary cultural understanding is that you recognize and respect that every individual's values truth, claims, beliefs, and practices are equally valid or equally right, equally good. And so, so we need to hold on to the biblical understanding and also understand the contemporary cultural understanding when we try to speak the truth in love to other people. The second is the word for respect. The biblical understanding is that you are giving due consideration to others as valuable human beings without necessarily endorsing their beliefs and lifestyle choices. And that's respect. You're valuing them as valuable human beings and giving them the due considerations, respecting them as, as fellow human beings um, who are worthy of uh, value and, and respect. But the contemporary cultural understanding is wholeheartedly approved of others' beliefs or lifestyle choices as equally bad. So basically equally good, equally right, equally uh, correct. And, and that is what uh, the contemporary cultural understanding want people to define respect as, but we need to hold on to the biblical understanding of what respect means. And then the word for acceptance, the biblical understanding is to embrace people regardless of their beliefs and lifestyle choices. Contemporary cultural understanding is not only endorse, but actually praise others for their beliefs and lifestyle choices. So, so the, Contemporary cultural understanding for acceptance, like if you accept someone, is that you need to endorse whatever they, they choose, whatever they believe, and uh, their lifestyle choices that uh, whatever they do, you need to uh, praise them for that. And that's what it means to accept them. But we need to hold on to the biblical understanding that we embrace them, we love them, uh, regardless of their beliefs and lifestyle choices. Um, without endorsing, and uh, oh, and we don't need to praise them for something that we don't 
C is correct, right? So they write this, uh, this is Sean and uh, Josh McDowell that cultural tolerance and its narrative about the truth of who we are as individual allow no differentiation between who a person is and that person's beliefs, behavior, or lifestyle. If this were written as an equation, it would look like this. Who I am equals what I do. This is why if you object to their behavior, they feel you're uh, rejecting them as a person. And this is the opposite of the gospel, which says that God loves us in spite of the sins we commit. Christ shows he loved us by not wanting us to stay, stay dead in our sins. And that's why he came to save us, to give us a new life so that we might die to sins and to live for righteousness. Even though the Heavenly Father hates our sins, but he loved us and chose us in Christ before the begin, the creation of the world to be holy, to be blameless in his sight. And that is real love. Amen. The Bible is not just a reference for us to form our own truths. Recently, I was walking somewhere and saw a sign saying how they respect that everyone has their own truth. In one way, I'm glad that people who made that sign recognize that the issue we face today is about what is truth. And they're not even mentioning the words lifestyle or choices. If you think about it, it's kind of scary that everyone can make up their own truth. Like, can I pay a cashier $10 and say it's worth $100 according to my truth? And maybe that's just an example. But um, Jesus says that he, that I am the way, the truth, and the life from John 14, 6. So today our debate is about what is truth. And it's not just moral truth about what's right and wrong, but nowadays it's even objective truth. And so it's just like, can we even say there are moral truths today? We know that the source of moral truth, the source of truth comes from God. And God defines what is right, what is true, what is wrong. He defines what is good, what's evil. And it's not us. It's not us who um, are to determine the right and wrong, good and evil. We determine right and wrong, good and evil based on God's word, based on what he tells us. And so God defines these things. We know what is right and what's wrong, what is good and what's evil by what God reveals to us through his word, the Bible. So that's important for us to always keep in mind that uh, the Bible is really our source. The Bible is, is God's word to us and the, the source of truth that we base our life on. And to be Loving is not a blanket endorsement of everything a person chooses to do. No parent will agree to things that are not good for their children. If they agree with everything their children wants to do, even if it's not good for them, that would be unloving and uncaring. Do you agree? The cultural sins we see today are the results and also the consequences of rejecting the authority of God and his ways. As Romans 1, 18 to 19 and 32 says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness 
and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. If the sins we see today are the results of not knowing God and his ways, then why are we fighting with people about them and not dealing with it like a spiritual issue? Only God can change their hearts. I went to a talk about God and, uh, and the universe by Christian apologists and scientists. And the speaker made an interesting observation that God created the animals for humans to tame. But who can tame humans? Only a being higher than humans can tame humans, and that is God. Ajis Fernando writes this quote, there has been welcome rediscovery of the truth that we are engaging in spiritual warfare as we preach the gospel. But when Christians are faced with opposition by human forces, they often act with the same attitude they would use if they were fighting demonic forces. They are attacking people when they should be loving them. So speaking the truth in love means that we speak the truth with understanding. We ask the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts and to give us the words to speak so that it will be full of truth and compassion. May God help us with that. The second, speaking the truth in love means that we speak the truth without bias. We should speak the truth without bias because God does not show favoritism. Romans 2.11. One time I was leading a short-term mission trip, and I want to make sure a youth would listen to me as a leader, trying to make this story as general as possible. So I asked that youth, do you trust what I say? The youth replied, quote, yes, just not your opinion, unquote. I did know, I did not know what to say at that time because I was thinking to myself, when did I say something that was just my own opinion? Basically, the youth is saying, I will listen to you as long as I don't think you're just speaking your own opinion. So what is opinion? I found this definition on the internet. A view or judgment formed about something not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. So how can we speak to the younger generation so they don't think we're speaking from a view or judgment about something that's not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. And I think we need to get rid of any bias, treat all people equally and fairly, practice what we preach, respect them, don't treat them differently just because they're young. I remember seeing a pastor talk to young people in a very respectful way. Too polite, I thought. He will ask them, it's okay for you to do this? Do you agree? with me to do this. I thought, this is really unnecessary. You're the elder with authority, just tell them what to do. But I think the young people loved and respected this pastor for taking the time 
to get their agreement before asking them to do something. Because I usually treat young people uh, like friends, I don't think it's necessary to be so polite. Well, that's probably uh, <laughs> something I, I need to change, but I think it's important to practice being respectful when speaking with people, even our young people. So I need to work on this as well. For the young people listening today, I hope you're encouraged that you're worthy of respect because that is the way that God treats you. And I hope that you will also, in the same way, treat those younger than you in the same way. They're speaking the truth with a warm, loving heart. So that is what is uh, speaking the truth in love. We're not just speaking the truth in love with our mind, but we should also do it with our heart. Since it is with a warm, loving heart, it should not be cold or harsh. So quiz time, guys. Does anyone remember where is the other place the word truthing occurred? Speaking the truth. Sorry, I can't be there to see who raised their hands or what, what you said, but if someone said Galatians 4.16, that's right. That's so awesome. Yay. And that verse says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? And that's what Paul was saying to the Galatians. So in Galatians, we see Paul speaking the truth in love to the Believers there who are being led astray by false teachers who want them to abandon the true gospel. And Paul not only appealed to their minds, but also to their hearts. He says in Galatians 4, 12 and 15, you did me no wrong. And I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. He reminded them of their past kindness and love to him. He used the most tender and loving language he could to address them, my dear children. In Galatians 4.19, and tell them how deeply concerned he is for their well-being. Quote, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. Unquote, that's from verse 20. Commentators have noted that this is the only place that Paul used the words, my dear children, in this way in his letters. Although in 1 Corinthians 4.14, I see that Paul also says something similar. Uh, I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Like Paul, we need to speak the truth with a warm, loving heart because we want them to know we're speaking to them in love not out of pride, not out of criticism, like Paul, remind them of their love for you and your love for them and let them know how concerned you are for them. So this is a way we should talk with each other in the Lord. If we see something that concerns us, we should ask questions and get understanding before we say something about it. Once we have a clear understanding, then we can express our heart with them. Always give positive feedbacks, even when you feel a rebuke is necessary. Encourage instead of making them feel criticized. The best way is by asking them questions 
that they will come to realize themselves what they need to do. And then they can tell you what they think they should do. While it's important to speak the truth in love, I believe it's equally important to receive the truth in love from other people. I think taking criticism well is a sign of maturity. One time I was in a Zoom meeting, so I told them that I was just going to be listening that day because I need to do something during that time. So a person put in the chat something to this effect. Just listening today, usually you're not listening. Wow, I was a little surprised by that comment. But I do appreciate the directness, though, which shows that person trusts me enough to be so direct. I think it's sometimes uh, uh, good to uh, just get straight talk from people, especially from those who we know. As we mature spiritually and know each other more deeply at a spiritual level, then we can talk straight with each other without causing offense. Today, we learned how to speak the truth in love by speaking the truth with understanding, speaking the truth without bias, and speaking the truth with a warm, loving heart. May God help us to speak the truth in love so we can grow in unity, faith, knowledge, and maturity in Jesus Christ for his glory. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message, Lord, to encourage us, Lord, to just continue growing you by speaking the truth in love. And thank you, Lord, for showing us through your word how we can speak with understanding, how we can speak without bias, and how we can speak with a warm and loving heart. May your word continue to direct us as we uh, just continue to seek to uh, live in, in your truth and your love and to act in truth and love and speak in truth and love. Lord, help us. Thank you, Lord. You bless everyone and just really continue to uh, help us to, to grow in you. Thank you, Jesus. Pray in your precious holy name. Amen. Well, thank you all. Wish you all a very blessed Sunday.